Let's read our scripture this morning. It comes from the third chapter of John, verses 1 through 17. It says, Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who's come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? That's a legitimate question, y'all. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you that you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to, what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. It's a lot of scripture. I've often said that Nicodemus is probably one of the uh, most fortunate people that we read about in the Scripture because he was the first person to ever hear the words of John 3.16. That's who Jesus was talking to when he shared those incredible, magnificent words. As a matter of fact, I think when Nicodemus got into heaven, he should have a T-shirt running around saying, John 3.16, I heard it first. (laughs) That'd be really cool, wouldn't it? (laughs) You know, I never met my dad's dad, my grandpa Bishop. I've heard lots of stories about what a character he was. People who knew him said that he was always laughing, always had a wild tale to tell, that he swore was true, but was always right on the edge of unbelievable. And the thing that folks always tell me most about my grandpa Bishop was that he was always happy. As a matter of fact, that's what everybody called him, was happy. His name was George, but for, the most, for most people, happy was the only name they ever knew him by. It was so much a part of who he was that it was inscribed on his gravestone so that people would know where to find him if they ever wanted to go visit. (laughs) 
I'd like to be remembered that way, wouldn't you? I'd love it with, when people thought of me, the word happy came to mind. I've heard so many stories about my grandpa, George, happy bishop, and all of them sound colorful and sometimes even a little quirky. One story that I heard says that back when he was a young man, he'd gotten himself a job with a plumbing company as a plumber's helper. When the plumbers got a call to go do a job, young George went along to assist, maybe to provide a little more torque if it was needed or just another set of eyes and hands. The story goes that one day it was nasty and rainy and George and a plumber were on their way to a job when they came up to a farm gate. The wind was blowing, the rain was pounding the truck they were in. When they got to the gate, they both just sat there and looked at it. Nobody wanted to get out. Finally, after a minute or two, the plumber finally looked over George and said, Well, George, you going to get out and open that gate? George was kind of taken aback a little bit. He said, What do you think they hired me to do? Well, they hired you to be my helper, the plumber said. Well, then, get out. Get out there and try to open that gate, and if you can't do it, I'll come out and help you. <laughs> Friends, that's knowing what a helper does. <laughs> Apparently both of them laughed about it for a bit, and then the plumber just got out and opened the gate, <laughs> and they went on about their work. <laughs> I wish I'd met my grandpa. Mason and I live in this wonderful little neighborhood not too far from here. It's a nice little street where the neighbors all look out for one another, and most of the houses there were built back in the early to mid-1900s. Our house was built in 1930. There are also lots of wonderful big old trees. Normally, we love the feeling of knowing that those big branches and all the creatures who live in them are out there above our heads. But this past Friday was a different feeling. As I stood outside looking up at those twisting, swaying, heavy branches, I felt a little scared. Last Friday afternoon and night was like nothing most of us had seen before. Several years ago, I remember being on the southern coast of Mississippi when a small hurricane blew in. They called it small, but I remember the wind that it produced was much more than I'd ever experienced before in my life. And Friends, I can tell you that what I saw this past Friday topped what I saw back then. In a matter of a couple of hours, we watched trees that were here long before any of us or our parents or our grandparents and gave up to the wind and they toppled over and this is one of them that was on my street and it's still there this morning when I came to church. In the late 1600s, America's first president hadn't been born. As a matter of fact, George Washington's father wasn't even born yet when the big burr oak tree out on Harrodsburg Road here in Lexington started taking root. Some estimated around the 1690s or so. That great tree would predate all of the American presidents and outlive all but six of them. It survived the American Revolution, the Civil War, droughts, diseases, development. 
and more wind, rain, hail, and lightning than any of us could ever count. The history that came and went, the historic events that took place over the life of this tree is unimaginable. But the unprecedented winds of this past Friday night were more than it could stand. What a sad, sad sight. What an image it was for all of those years. It survived so, for so long partly because of the people who were dedicated to preserving it as much as they could. Over the years, people stepped up to protect it, to fend for it, and to help it survive. The stories we've seen all over Lexington and all over Kentucky the last couple of days as neighbors and friends and total strangers have found themselves in need have shown us that we are surrounded by helpers. I'll be honest with you. I'm not always good at letting other folks help me. I'm not always good at being the receiver of help. Part of my problem is that I have trouble admitting that I need help sometimes. For whatever reason, in my mind, I don't want to admit that I'm not capable of taking care of myself. The truth is, just like everybody else, sometimes I'm not. I think that's probably why I'm able to relate really well with Nicodemus. I love this story that we read just a few minutes ago about this guy who really wanted to get to know Jesus. Nicodemus was not just a no one. He was a well-known leader among the Pharisees. As a matter of fact, he was a member of the Sanhedrin, which was the supreme Jewish legislative and judicial court in that time and place. He wielded some influence and power. He was well known for being smart about the law. He was the kind of guy that like when CNN needed a talking head to represent one side of an argument, Nick was their guy. He was the one they would call. People on the streets knew him. He was recognized as that guy in the papers and on the TV and in the news. And that's likely why it was necessary, he thought, for himself to track down Jesus and learn from him under the cover of darkness. Another thing that Nicodemus and I have in common is being rule keepers. Sometimes I wish I was more of a rebel like Pam. <laughs> I envy your rebellious spirit sometimes, Pam, and then I get scared for myself. <laughs> sometimes I get scared for you. <laughs> Of course, there are some people from my past who would say that uh, the life that I'm living now is anything but living by the rules. But they're talking about religious rules that they've either inherited or they've contrived that God never, ever really intended. But I'm talking about the kind of rules that if we keep them, they'll somehow earn us a place in God's mercy or God's favor. When we keep the rules, God will bless us. When we keep the rules, God will reward us. When we keep the rules, God will protect us. When we keep the rules. Nick approached Jesus the way I do sometimes, and maybe just like you do. 
He came to Jesus wanting to know more about this loving God that he wasn't familiar with, but he was worried that he didn't deserve that loveliness. Do you ever feel that way sometimes? That you don't deserve God's love? This series that we're in now, this Lent series that we'll be enjoying for the next few weeks was developed by our dear friend and worship designer, Marsha McPhee. I love her description of this interaction between Jesus and, and Nicodemus. Pam shared some of these thoughts earlier, but they deserve another visit. Marcia said, oftentimes we believe that we must deserve the love we receive. We work, work, work to get approval and to feel like our life is justified. Pulling our own weight, thinking that whatever life we create and any love we get is only what we ourselves can conjure up. But this story offers the image of God as our keeper. Always helping. Always present. She goes on. Nicodemus has followed all the rules and done everything he can do, and yet he's still looking for love, for tangible connection with God. Jesus says that he must be born of the Spirit. It's not all up to simply doing the right thing. It's about allowing the Spirit to help birth love in our lives. It's about allowing the Spirit to do its thing. In the verses that we read today, in a matter of a brief conversation, Jesus tells this very learned and religious man, Nicodemus, that he has to let go of his ego, loosen his grip, relinquish some control, unlearn some things he thinks he knows about God, and let God reshape him. In just a few words, Jesus basically said, Nick. My whole reason for being here is to help you. You're a smart man, an influential man, a man of great authority. You say your prayers, you read the scriptures, you give your tithe, you're in church every time the doors are open. I know your family, you're, you're from good blood and noble stock. You are what so many others wish to be. You know the letter of the law. And you keep the rules really well. But Nick, it's not about knowing all the answers and having all the solutions and being able to explain why and how God does things. It's not about even religious rule keeping. It's about letting go and letting God be your helper. Nick, you know God is the record keeper the rule maker, the taskmaster, the gatekeeper. But I want to invite you to know God in a whole new way that may take some meekness. It may take some humility. I want you to give it a chance, to give God a chance to simply be the helper. Thanks for joining us. Find out more about what we're doing at KennyBishop.com.